Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And this is Between the Whistles Detroit, or as formerly known, you can go on Spotify now and search up BTW Detroit, Cindy and Joe's show. Yeah, search the Cindy and Joe show. It's the very first thing that comes up. How awesome is that? Yeah, so you speaking of shows, you run another show. I'm kind of disappointing you, but it's all, it's okay. You're gonna be you're gonna be big time now. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it was great. Yesterday I was... This is what uh, the Cindy and Joe show does, people. That's what, this is what happens. Uh, no, I was on Michigan's Big Show with uh, my friend Kyle Malin, who is actually a reporter for um, MERS News Service out of Lansing, and he was guest hosting and asked me to come on the show, and it was a lot of fun early in the morning. I'm not a morning person, but uh, I was thrilled to be a guest on there. Um he just wanted to ask me about some things going on with me, and uh, in the middle of Which all, is... uh, well, I've announced announced my candidacy for Secretary of State of Michigan. So uh, there is that politician thing again, Joe. You can't get away from it. Oh yeah. But uh, so it was great to talk to him about uh, the the race and uh, being a candidate for Secretary of State. We're really excited about that, but we're also equally excited about the Michigan State Spartans, and we're both Sparties, Kyle and I. And so we had a conversation and he asked me uh, specifically about Mel Tucker. And if we had discussed it on our show and uh, with LSU and all of the rumors ro- rolling around, and I said, well, we've certainly discussed Michigan State football, but I knew that you, Joe, may just have some information about that because as you all know, you always hear it first on the Cindy and Joe show between the whistles because we are your hometown team. So, you know who else is our hometown team before we talk about that? Wild Bill's Tobacco, friend of the show. And Joe is a huge proponent of tobacco products. Yeah, yeah, you know I am, yep. So, of course you go to Wild Bill's because they have 150 locations throughout Metro Detroit and Michigan, and um, they treat you right and they have everything that you need. So, isn't that right? Yep. (laughs) He's gonna agree with me on that one no matter what, folks. On to your point about Mel Tucker, and I heard I heard the interview clip, and I was like, you know what, Cindy doesn't know what I know, so I think I'll just unload it on the show. You know, like there's certain things that I will put through social media and kind of get get it out there. You know, Joe's always got the scoop, man. I, He's got the tea. But I felt like this was a little bit too. Um, it couldn't just be put on social media with like the sources, okay? It had to come from the, the person's mouth. So, when I tell you that Mel Tucker is in, you know, the LSU is interested in Mel Tucker, right? Which Michigan State fans are like, okay, please stop, because he's done a great job at Michigan State. 
that was my argument on the show. I said we're not, we don't want to lose Mel Tucker, and I don't want to lose him. Well, I love that guy. There's there's three things that are gonna there, there's three things that are happening in the background as we know it right now. First of all, Michigan State is not some uh, podunk football school no more. Okay, when Nick Saban was there, they didn't want to pony up the cash to keep Nick Saban. Obviously, that backfired because Nick Saban is uh, one of the best coaches of all time. That's that's non-negotiable. A legend in the making for sure. Well, he's a, he's already a legend. Yeah, he's already a legend. He's a living, yeah. he's a living legend. Right. That's he, what I should have said. Living but, legend. But you know, uh, they didn't want to pony up the cash back in the day. Okay, but now you look at it and you go, okay, college football for these schools is absolutely massive for them to get enrollment because, you know, stats say that there's that the most successful college football programs have the biggest enrollment, you know, the people that want to apply to the college. Right. So when Michigan State is having... Uh, you know, when when Mel Tucker is rumored that, you know, he might go to LSU and blah, blah, blah. Michigan State's probably not happy about that. Oh, I would bet not. No. so here's, They better not be happy about that. So there's three things that are working in the, the, the background. First of all, you got to look at LSU, okay? LSU is having some problems in the program, okay? LSU is a very, very good job, but here's the reality of the situation. The last three coaches that coached at LSU – all won national championships, and two of them got fired. You know, anywhere else you probably wouldn't see a national championship coach get fired, but yeah, LSU, you got a little bit of a you don't have that much you don't have that much leeway because they expect more. And when you're playing in the same division as Alabama, Nick Saban, you kind of have your you kind of have everything against you at that time. You know, right. And, and then you look at it, the second part about it is, is Mel Tucker gets paid pretty well at Michigan State. He gets paid pretty well. But I have heard that they are going to pay him more money as soon as, probably after the Michigan game, and most likely after the season, they will get a new contract done. Now here's what I'm wondering, Joe. What do you think? Now, if he loses the Michigan game, do you think his number's going to go down? And if he wins the Michigan game, that number's going up? Or do you think that number's going to stay pretty well? He knows what he wants. No, because it's going to stay the same. Because here's the reality of the situation. What Mel Tucker has done in two seasons at, at Michigan State is um, unbelievable. First, he got to factor in the COVID year, okay? The COVID year, he didn't get the, he didn't get the chance to recruit like he usually he can. And, he, you know, he couldn't travel to other cities because, you know, COVID rules. And they couldn't host people because of COVID rules. Right. COVID really sucked it. So now he's getting a chance to recruit. The fact that he is actually 7-0 and in his second year of rebuilding a football program is amazing. That usually never happens in college football. It really shouldn't happen. But Mel Tucker is a really good head coach. So he's going to get paid regardless. And it doesn't matter if he won or loses Michigan against Michigan. Because he's playing with literally house money, because, yeah. Because he shouldn't be he shouldn't be at this point right now. You know, most people. The I think the Vegas over under when we were talking earlier was right. four and a half. They're at seven now. And we said that too. We said that. They, but I think uh, I even gave them, I think six wins, and uh, they were surpassed that already. I don't think either one of us called this at no. the beginning. So this is they far exceeded expectations. Yeah. 
They've overplayed what what everyone thought they would do. And Mel Tucker is hugely responsible for that. Absolutely, he's got some key talent as well. Yeah. I mean, Kenneth Walker but, obviously won him, but you gotta think he's, you, the, he's you, the man. You got to think about it. That was that was a transfer portal. That's a guy he went and got, he went and got, and he, yeah. he saw Ken, and Kenneth Walker and he brought him here. You know, it, it, it's you know what Mel Tucker has been doing with the transfer portal is probably it, it's going to be the other people, other coaches are going to take. You know, they're going to see Mel Tucker and be like, okay, I'm going to try to take advantage of the same thing. But what Mel Tucker did is he took a bunch of transfer portals and put them together on a team, and they've been meshing well together. They just, they just play well together. So when people say, you know, Mel Tucker, he's in his second season, you know, he's, he's going to go to LSU. There's people that say he's going to go to LSU. Uh, LSU is not the job for him. I don't think he'll leave for LSU. Personally, I think LSU is looking in other directions. I know that they're looking in other directions. There's a lot of vacancies in college football, but the reality of the situation is, would Mel Tucker leave the Big Ten East and he, well, the way he's getting paid? If if LSU wanted to pay pony up and pay double the price, okay, well then you cut your loss. You'd be like, okay, Michigan State is not a is not a is not a second rate program. Okay, they are they have a lot of money coming in the program, a lot of money from the Ishbias and the, the the Dan Gilberts of the world. Yeah, like these people are funneling money to the the, the the Michigan State football program, and it's good for this, the the uh, Michigan State because that's good for their whole bottom line. And Mel Tucker is part of their bottom line, and I think if you are an administrator in Michigan State, you're probably like. Yeah, we got to keep them at all costs because this is what this is what happens when you have a good program. Is other teams will try to steal your coach. You yeah. want a coach that is getting that's wanted, okay? You don't want right. a coach that no one goes. I don't want him to coach my program. That guy blows. No, you don't want that. Well, and they made that argument. That exact argument was made on the show on the big show, uh, Michigan's big show that I was yeah. on yesterday. That's exactly the argument that they made. That uh, you know, when it comes to Michigan State people or Michigan people wanted Harbaugh, and that's great, and that's what makes the program more appealing when you've got a head coach that everybody wants. So you're exactly right, Joe. And considering the fact that college football brings in. Four billion dollars annually, B billion with a B. Um, you've got some huge money there, like you said. You've got a ton of incentives. You got four billion in reasons, right? Um, and, and I don't know how much of that Michigan State gets, but and you no, but you, you, Michigan, Mel Tucker is Mich- worth every Mich- penny. Michigan State is is has a has 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 a huge. It's a battleground state. We're we're gonna say that. Because Michigan and Michigan State have good basketball programs and good football programs. And those are the two biggest money makers. And if you could have two at the same time, you're printing money. You're like, oh, you want a contract extension? Okay. Right. There right. You go. Like the, the, it's it's not like, oh, you can't pay. You know, like you're 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 cash strapped. Well, he's know? making his own paycheck. Mel Tucker is making his own paycheck. So it really doesn't matter what the number is that Michigan State has to come up with. He's going to be able to justify that he's making his own paycheck. Yeah. And so I think that's the point if here. You're, if, so you're, absolutely. if you're good at what you do, especially in football, okay, college football, like if you're good at what you do, you're going to get paid regardless. Now, it doesn't matter, you know, if the school you are at can't pay, someone else will. And Michigan State is in the, the situation where they could just pay because – they look at it as he got a good basketball coach in Tom Izzo, right? A li- living legend like Nick Saban. Let's get this football coach so we can kind of 
make more and more, you know, because hockey and basketball are your biggest, I mean, football and basketball are your biggest money makers. And then they funnel money to the rest of the athletic department. That's the reality of the situation. You know, the, all these women's teams, all these uh, all these uh, boys' teams like lacrosse and everything, football and basketball funnel the money. So if you have enough money for those, for those after that, you're gold. So Mel Tucker brings a lot more value to Michigan State than just being a great football coach. He brings money to the bottom line, mm-hmm. and he helps to um, – you know, supplement some of the other athletic programs. So I don't think Michigan State can say no to Mel Tucker, regardless of what his ask is. Yeah, I, they can't and they won't. And I've nope. been told that unless LSU came with a ridiculous offer of $10 million a year, basically that's it. Sounds awesome. In the next segment, we will be talking about how I am right about Dylan Larkin and Cindy is wrong. <laughs> Welcome to Cindy and Joe show. I'm Joe. <laughs> I'm Cindy. And as you can tell, I am tooting my own horn because <laughs> I... Of course you are. I was right. I was right. I was right. <laughs> I was right just like going to Wild Bills and getting the great tobacco that they have on their on their uh, their floor. Great, great, great company. But I was right about Dylan Larkin. And Cindy was wrong. I don't think I was wrong. I was. I wasn't wrong, actually. I, I, I was. Eh, oh, wait, ah. wait. I got. I got to toot my own horn for a minute. And all those people <laughs> that said, "You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. That Joe doesn't know what he's talking about." Ha 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 ha! <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Go after the haters, Joe. Do it. I have a couple of them myself, but uh, it's usually in the political realm, but... Oh, I know that. I know I, that. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. How could they hate me? I just don't get it. But anyway... You, they hate you because they ain't you. That's, that's exactly it. Well, you know what? And that's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, here's the thing. I don't think I was wrong. I'm going to take issue with this. I wasn't wrong about Dylan Larkin. Whatever, I was right about Dylan Larkin. Nah, then give me a, just give me a break. Then oh, you can go boy. on your rant, which I know you're going to do. I wasn't wrong. I was right when I said that up until this point that Dylan Larkin had not been the captain that the Red Wings needed and that he needed to mature and he needed to work on his game and he had some challenges and that I hoped that this season and I expected that this season was going to have to be a defining season for him. I wasn't wrong about that. (laughs) I wasn't wrong about that. Okay. I'm happy to see Dylan Larkin is performing. I'm happy to see that he is being the the captain that the Red Wings need. I'm excited for that because I really like Dylan Larkin. He's a great guy. And I'm very excited to see his success. Now you tell us, Joe, why you're right and address your haters. Go get them. Because I told you, I told you, way back when we were having this conversation, you tell me, you're like, oh, you know, Dylan Larkin points and everything. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, Cindy, you do realize who he was playing with, right? And you were like, that shouldn't matter. That shouldn't matter at all. And I was like, uh, what? So you, then you're like, you're like, I was like, you know, talent level is kind of, you know, bad. You know, he, he finally got Verona and then he got hurt. And then, you know, he was with Anthony Mantha most of the year. And Anthony Mantha is like. A uh, slug. Remember a, you called a, him a slug. Yeah, no, the scouting report, you know, scout that we talked to said he was a slug. That's true. And then. You agreed he was a slug. Oh, because he is, which the Red Wings play uh, the Capitals on Wednesday. 
Yeah. And um, so I was like, how do you how do you judge someone when they don't have the talent capable of playing with that talent, you know? And you're like, oh no, it's still his fault. Still his fault. Still his fault. And I was like, listen, wait till he gets talent. And you know what happened? He got some stud on his wing. And then he got his other stud back in Tyler Bertuzzi. All props to Tyler Bertuzzi. I was, I, 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 me and Coco, you were great. He's my hero, by the way, for a number of reasons. Tyler, anyways, anyways, job. Lucas Raymond has shown that when you get a wing on Dylan's line who can who can take the offensive load, it takes it away from Dylan Larkin, and he can get open. It takes it from Tyler Bertuzzi, and he can get open. And you know what? I think I said, I think I said that if you if Dylan just got you know a, a certain you know talent caliber player that could play with on his line, you know, I thought, you know, this could be great. And guess who was right? Well, you know, Joe, the only way to prove that you were right and that you said that for everyone to know is they need to go on Spotify because we're on Spotify now. You can listen to us in your car. How lucky is that, right? Mm -hmm. So, but we're going to be loading up all of our past episodes on there sooner or later. You can always find them on our Facebook page. Go back and see. Fact check Joe, guys, and tell me if he was right oh, if he actually you know what? said that. I am going to go back, and I'm going to get that clip, and I'm going to post it on our Facebook page because I was right. Now, let's go to another player because people are hating on him, and I don't think it's fair, but let's go to Philip Zadina. Yeah, there's been a lot of chatter lately, especially on our social, uh, about Philip Zadina and in the fan groups. And there's people saying that Philip Zadina is not producing. He's not earning his spot. What do you think of that, Joe? Listen, I think what you have, okay, is a player who's trying to get acclimated to NHL. He hasn't Still? Found, he, hasn't <laughs> found, he hasn't found his game. You know, some players, it takes them a couple years. That's the reality of the situation. You know, remember... When Ken Holland was the GM and he told you that it would be uh, it's rebuilds take like seven, eight years. This is why, because you know, some of these prospects that you draft early on, they don't they're not for sure things, right? You know, like it's very unusual for you to get a McKinnon, right? Or a Dylan Larkin or a Connor McDavid that start right off the hop and they're in the NHL, okay? Even like Lucas Raymond, he took a he took a he was a year off. Cider was a year off, and they're both playing like all-stars. There are certain mature, uh, maturing stages that these players have. So Zadina, there's, the book is still to be written on him. It's still early in the season, and I hate when people make these assumptions, and we're not even 10 games in. Yeah, I think it's a little bit early as well. I mean, obviously, here's here's the problem for Zadina. The problem for Zadina, and, and I think even, you know, Gavani Smith and a couple of other ones, uh, and obviously, you know, Smith's down on the A, but um, the problem is they're being compared to Cider and Raymond. I mean, Cider and Raymond are coming up that's, and showing up so well. That's totally unfair, okay? Well, and I, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm not saying that it's fair. What I'm saying is that's what they're up against. They're in, they're, the comparative reality is people see Cider and they see Raymond and they're like, well, how come Zadina's not doing that? How come Valeno's not? How come, how come you know, these other uh, prospects who, who are older and more mature aren't producing like we see Raymond and Cider? Now, I don't think that's a fair comparison either because – 
Raymond and Cider may be, Raymond may be a generational talent, okay? Will that remains to be seen? I told you this, too. That, but that remains to be seen because he's going to have his slump, too, just like I told you with the Kill Badoo at the beginning. I said he's a guy to watch. He may still be in the running for Rookie of the Year. He had a fantastic start, and then he took a die, a little bit of a dip, and then he leveled off. We could see the same dynamic with Raymond. Okay, let me, let me, let me converse for a minute, okay? People that are fans, uh, they sometimes don't understand the full realm of what happens when you're in uh, you're an athlete in pro sports okay sometimes it's great and you're doing great and you're doing great like patrick mahomes okay he's been great all his career he's having a tough time okay he's having a rough a rough couple games everybody cycles so there's, there's a cycle of having bad times and yeah. maturing through now 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 what you know which what, what you'll figure out as the season progresses is does adina come out this on the other end you know that's that's a that's a point that I like to make. You know because there's certain players that do start slow, and then they they gain their steam. You know it just takes one goal, it just takes one assist, and you can start a hot streak. Well, and, and the question that I think needs to be perhaps discussed is how long is Jeff Blaschel going to wait on Sedina? How is it going to be right at the midseason? Is going to be the All Star break? How many? How much time is he going to give Sedina to? come to the game before he makes a change there, before maybe he gives Valeno a shot and sends Zadina back to the A. He can't send Zadina back to the A because of waivers. Um, so he's, so he's, he's, he's waiver exempt now. Um, so what you have right now is if, you know, there is no turning back, okay? You can't turn back now. There's no turning back. Zadina's on the roster. So what are his options with Zadina if Zadina doesn't perform? You can move him down. But that wouldn't be good because he's not. On, he shouldn't be on the check-in line. But I think Zadina's going to get it. He's going to get it covered, okay? Because the reality of the situation is you're seven games in. There's not much that you can go on, okay? Seven games is a very, very limited size. I'm going to agree with you 100% on this, Joe. It's too early to be making any of these kind of assessments. No. What I think we can say is that the Red Wings are many times better than they were last season mm -hmm. and that every one of these guys uh has shown us at least what we expected to but see they've and gotta, they've, they've excelled they've got to keep it up and yeah. the reality of the situation is there's going to be ebbs and flows of the season where they're going to hit a losing streak and then they're going to have to come back you know the tigers started slow and then they ended hot right you hope that the rebels don't start hot and then slow that'd be that'd be very disservice to the the, the group but the you're obviously seeing that they're getting they're better. They're a way better team, you know, with Cider and Letty and Raymond and uh, Bertuzzi being back. And, you know, uh, Mitchell Stevens is off. Rasmussen has played a lot better than... Pi Suter. Yeah, Pi yeah. Suter has been played really, really good. So, you know, I don't think... I don't think people should call the dogs off real quick. I think if you're a guy like Zadina, you got the talent. You just got to... You know, sometimes in the NHL, it's a little bit different because, you know, especially if you start early in the NHL, yeah. you're kind of playing uh, backup. You know, you're playing, okay, well, they're having trouble here. What do we do here? You know, it's kind of like a go, go as you go. And you, it's not like the NFL where you can, you can shelf someone mm -hmm. as a third stringer and then play him when he's ready. You know, in NHL, everyone plays. Yeah. So there's four lines. Everyone gets on the ice. So that's, that's the reality of the situation. Hockey's a different game. You you know, you, you, these these young players don't come out of the gate super, super hot. That's just the reality of the situation. And I'd like to put people to 
Jordan Bing- Bennington. Okay, he was the goalie of the Blues when they won the Stanley Cup. Right. He was a very great story. He was a very um, he was an older goaltender when he finally matured. Yeah. You know, if people would have knew, if people would have gave him a chance, like you know, said, okay, he's gonna develop and he's got talent, he's gonna develop, he's gonna. He, that's what you gotta hope for, and you know, Zadina can develop into that talent because he showed glimpses of his talent. He just he needs something to spark him. That's what he needs. Yeah, I think he needs an op- a couple of opportunities, and I don't think he's quite seen those opportunities yet. But when he gets the chance, I think you know, you give him enough of those chances, he's going to show you what he's got. One of the most encouraging things that I'm seeing about the Red Wings overall so far in this, as you pointed out, small sample, is I'm encouraged by their depth. You look at each one of those lines, and each one of them has a producer on there. I, yeah. Each one is beginning to pull their weight. You know, even you go down to like Nemetsnikov, right, yeah. who I think is still going to have a, even a more breakout year than what he yeah. has. you got Robbie Fabry, who's producing. You've got, obviously, uh, Lucas Raymond, who's who's producing. You've got It doesn't matter which line you look at, you've got a bright spot on each one of those lines. Then look at defense pairings, same thing. Every defense pairing you look at, whether it's Cider, whether it's Luddy, well, you know, you've got someone in each one of those pairings. Uh, I love the um, the Stetcher, the Stetcher and um, uh, that other pair. Oh, gosh, who's these pairs? Stetcher and, um, uh, anyway, that pairing there, too. You look at every one of them, and you've got some bright spots. Veronica is a little bit of a disappointment right now. I think, by the way, Stevie Y made the right call in not extending him as much money as he was looking for. That was the totally right call. Um, but Hironic's having some challenges, even though he was kind of, you know, showed some real uh, glimpses of, of excitement last year. So uh, I just like to see the fact that we've got something to be excited about no matter what defense pairing you look at, no matter what a, a line combination you look at on the Red Wings, you got something to be excited about. Yeah, I think that's 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 true, and I think um, you know when Stevie Y took the job over, he didn't have the cover bear. You know, that's yeah. that's that was something that he probably was like, okay, this is good. Because Scott Holland did do a pretty good job drafting, but the reality of the situation is it's kind of like baseball. The re- rebuilds don't really take flight, yeah, until two to three years, in, and and then sometimes it takes a little bit longer because some, certain prospects don't pan out. And you really, it's it's a 50-50 game. You know, the best GMs in, in sports hit, I think it's 65% of their picks. Mm-hmm. So that's that's Hall of Fame level. So you, you got to look at, like, some of these players will never play. And some of these players will be complete uh, disappointments. And that's just the reality of the game. Yeah. So I think, but I think that the Red Wings have really uh, struck oil with quite a few of their prospects. And they also have more depth in the A that the, in the Grand Rapids Griffins right now that they can pull from. You've got a, you've got guys in there that have got quite a bit of NHL experience. Yeah, Lucas Raymond's a yeah. very, very good player. And Cider, yeah. for the, for being his age, has a lot of poise for a defenseman. And, you know, Nadalkovich has come, in, well, come into his own. Look what Nick Lindstrom said about Mo Cider. Yeah. That he has more talent. He sees more out of Mo Cider at this age than he had himself. And he's arguably one of the best defensemen in the history of the NHL. I mean, that just goes that's, that's cool to tell you what people think of them. And, yeah. and the reality of the situation is, you know, it's very, it's, it's very different, you know, when you get a, when a player comes up and he's starting, he's starting to find a stride. You know, I really, I tell people all the time, okay, when you're looking at a prospect or a guy who's just came up or he just got drafted and he's playing with the big league club, club, like in the NHL or Major League Baseball. Yeah. You're not looking at potentially stats. You're just looking at how this player plays in certain situations. 
You know, what Mo Sider does is when he gets pressured, he kind of makes some good plays. I'm very impressed by him. His you know, poise. Yeah, the poise. Because yeah. the reality is, is a, a defenseman's biggest asset is the poise under pressure. And that's a goalie's biggest asset, too. You know, a forward is how do you create plays? You know, Lucas Raymond, we've seen him create open shots. We've yeah. seen Larkin do the same thing. Bartuzzi do the same thing. When you're a defenseman, it's how do you, when you're pressured, when it's under pressure, what do you do in that time? And if you don't do anything with it, I mean, you usually aren't a great defenseman. And that's what Sider's, and it's only up from here. You know, mm-hmm. he's still progressing into a good player. And I see a lot of Victor Hedman in him, to be honest. Yeah. So I think that that's a good barometer, and I think that's what CBY was looking for because, and let's not even talk about the get the kid that is in uh, Germany right now. I think it's uh, I mean uh, Germany or Sweden or whatever. It's, uh, uh, Simon Evanson. Yeah. He he's getting rave reviews too. People are saying that he might be better than Cider. So, um, you look at the Red Wings, their future is really really bright for them, and I'm actually intrigued, and. I'm happy for Jeff Flashell that he actually has a team that he can say is more talented than he's ever had. And that he has the opportunity to shine as a head coach now because he's taken a lot of hits for the you know, last several years. And I don't think it was it was really fair to Jeff. And uh, I, I'm excited to see him get the opportunity as well. And I think there's no doubt about it. We see the Iser plan in motion. And Joe, I'll say this. You were right. Dylan Larkin has brought it this season, and I'm excited to see we're it. We're going to cut that down so we can loop it. Joey, you were right. In the next, <laughs> in the, in the, oh my God. In the next segment, we will be talking about Jim Harbaugh and how this is a must win for Michigan this week. I know I know my co-host is a you know MSU super fan. What was that? Um, an MSU super fan? Super fan, go green. Okay, but here's the reality of the situation. This game is bigger for Harbaugh than any Michigan State can uh, you know fathom. We'll hit it on the next segment. Welcome to Cindy and Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And this is Between the Whistles Detroit. You can search us on Spotify, BTW Detroit, Cindy and Joe Show. We are your hometown team. You got to find us on Spotify. Yes. And we are presented by Wild Bill's Tobacco. Now, we got to get to the most important part because, you know, obviously there's a big game this weekend. No, yes, really? Yes, there's a big, pretty big game this weekend. I think it's. I think I have to file my nails. I I think uh I think uh I think it's the uh, Chicago uh, Bulls. I think it's the Pistons this weekend. I, I think that. Oh wait, no, but, it's Michigan, Michigan State. Of course it is. Yes. Go Green. And we have a huge issue at hand because Jim Harbaugh has has he has to win this game. Like there, yeah. You know, there is no there is no way that he can go back to Ann Arbor. 0-2 against Mel Tucker in Mel Tucker's first two years, and he has not beat Ohio State. I mean, that's just not Michigan football. Oh, I agree. And, you know, the thing of it is, is, you know, he's put a lot of sta- uh, a lot of stock in uh, Cade McNamara. And Cade mm-hmm. McNamara has, needs to deliver for his coach. He needs to deliver for Harbaugh. And Harbaugh, Harbaugh has got to make it clear that he is capable of taking on Ohio State, Penn State, because they're coming up next here for him. And he's got to... It's just a defining moment for him. Yeah, you know, I think I think what you got to look at is is Harbaugh is he came to Michigan to win championships, okay? Yeah. Um, he has not been to the Big Ten championship. That's not that's not a good sign. And he has not beat Ohio State uh, at all. And he has beat Michigan State, uh, I think, twice. 
Um, but the reality of the situation is he needs to win this game because if he goes 0-2 against Mel Tucker in Tucker's second season, I mean, the first season didn't even count because Mel Tucker couldn't recruit and it was COVID and it kind of shut that stuff down. So, you know, Harbaugh's in year seven. You know, yeah. as, as you know, you're a you're a political person, okay? Would you get till year seven to um figure it out? Are you kidding me? We don't get till day seven before people start criticizing us and want to get you know vote them out of office, right? right? They're always wanting to vote us out if we don't produce or no. You got to produce. Yeah, it's, and, and you know, as a scout or a GM, you know, you don't get you don't get seven years. I mean, it's very rare that you even get three years. Yeah. So uh, Harbaugh has not lived up to what he should be. Um, and Michigan is not the yeah. program where you can just lose to Ohio State on the regular and lose to Michigan State, who just got a new head coach. Well, that, you know, because Michigan football is a certain brand, right? Yeah. They've done a lot to, to uh, you know, work that brand and they've become known as the, you know, they're no doubt the elite. And I'm sitting here with a Michigan State sweatshirt on, and I can tell you, Michigan football clearly is known as the elite and you can only ride that horse so long before people are going to knock you off of it and that's what's going to happen to jim harbaugh if he doesn't start to produce and he's going to run out of excuses for not producing yeah. uh so he's got to do that it's his brand is dependent upon it the last thing that michigan wants is for people to say that michigan state is the new Michigan football? Yeah. Well, you know that that Michigan State is is already becoming a bigger is is become bigger and bigger and bigger. You bet and, your butt and, they are. And, and eventually, and eventually, you know, it's like you know Michigan's always going to be the superior because of the brand and like the the you know whatever. But Michigan State's had more success on the football field. And if you're talking about okay, like people look at USC, right? Yeah. And they go, USC is a good job. But they haven't won since 2005, okay? Right. So, you know, these kids that are growing up, they, they you know, they don't know when Michigan was a, win, a perennial winner back in the day. You know, they just go on with their mom and dad, Tom. You know, uh, Michigan mm -hmm. won a lot, of, a lot of games in, in the, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the past. And you can't go by the past for so long, you know? It, it's right. 10 years turns into 20, and 20 years turns into 30 before you're like, what? You know, I think... That the last time Michigan won a Big Ten title was 2004. We are almost 20 years uh, close. 20 years too long for that program. Maybe Jim Harbaugh needs to call down to Tampa Bay and see if he can't get some, oh, I don't know, notable alumni to come up on, on, on Saturday and help his team out and give him some encouragement or something. I mean, they're going to need... Everything that they can possibly, I agree, Joe. They're gonna need everything they can possibly pull out. It's gonna be uh, it's in a, order to beat Michigan it's, State. It's a tough. It's gonna be a tough game. And, yeah. You know, Michigan has not done well on the road against ranked opponents. That's yep. that's number one. They have not done well on the road, and Harbaugh is part of that. And you know, listen, people will make excuses. Well, you know, this and that, and this and that. You know, and then there's chatter about J.J. McCarthy starting. People want J.J. McCarthy to start yep. with Kate, Kate yep. McNamara. And you know, the problem with Kate, you know, the problem with that is if you throw a young quarterback in a, a, a situation where he's playing a really good team, you know, high that's, pressure. That's a lot of pressure to put on yep. a young kid. And you know, it's all fun and dandy when you can make plays against like teams that really don't matter. But when the lights turn on, you have Michigan State against you, Ohio State against you, Penn State against yeah. you. That's that's a totally different situation. So 
if I was if I was a Michigan fan, I would be very very hopeful that my team can win because Harbaugh cannot lose this game against Michigan State. Well, and the question, Joe, that I would ask is, what if he doesn't? What do you? predict will happen to Jim Harbaugh if he does not win this game. We already know See, this is this is the worst case scenario for Michigan fan. Okay? Let's say Harbaugh loses to Michigan State. And then he gets roundhouse by Ohio State. Because let's face it, Ohio State's probably gonna kick both Michigan and Michigan State's ass. Because they're so freaking good. And they play their offense is really, really good. Um does Jim Harbaugh lose his job? They can't see that's the, that's the thing though. That's the thing. Michigan can't fire Jim Harbaugh. They can't fire Jim Harbaugh. He was brought here as the guy who was going to change the program, okay? Yeah. He was one of them. He's one he's a Michigan guy, right? There is people in that are boosters that will never allow that to happen because he will eventually figure they'll, they'll think he'll eventually figure it out. He'll eventually figure it out. And what happens is, you know, I'm a Tennessee fan. So, you know, when you you look at Tennessee, what happened to them when they 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 fired Fulmer? Mm-hmm. They haven't found a coach since then. Right. And they think, you know, Hupel, which is the coach right now, is going to be the, the answer. And hopefully he is. Mm-hmm. The reality of the situation is if you fire your own guy that you went to your school, what happens is, I've read a lot of stuff about Tennessee. What happened in the Tennessee department is they were like, they fired Fulmer, and then half the boosters were never on board with anything. So they wanted to fire the first. They wanted to fire the coach the first minute he lost, and the other yeah. ones were like, "Just give him a chance. Just give him a chance. Just give him a chance." So in other words, this decision is really political, is what you're saying. Well, you're a political person. <laughs> I mean, if you're going, if you're you... saying there's other factors other than performance, a lot of other factors that will determine whether or not Harbaugh keeps his job. Because when you think about it, you got boosters in the programs that are that are that are hedging these decisions. You know, Mel Tucker, we talked about Mel Tucker in the last segment, you know, it's very, it's it's very, very hard. You know, Rico Beard on 971 brought this up, and I did, never thought about it like this, but it's very, very hard to tell a bunch of boosters who are in their 80s and 70s that made their money on oil and all that, that they want a black man to coach their college football team you know, at LSU. Very, very hard, because let's re- face reality, like, some of them don't see... They don't see it that way. They don't see it right. that way. You know, they sometimes pick people who are good. That means we keep Mel Tucker right, at Michigan State. <laughs> Let them think that. You know, that's that's what Rico Beard thinks, and that's, yeah. and that's actually that's a real life example. You know, the reality of the situation is these boosters that you are in your program, you know, they didn't give Rich Rodriguez a fair shot. They fired him after after the first, you know, boom. Yeah, he was gone, and he didn't get a chance to finish out what he started. You know. Boosters play a big role in these in these big universities. Yes, Tennessee, Michigan, yeah. USC. Those are those are prominent programs in history that have fallen on hard times because sometimes their boosters think that you know, okay, if I get this guy to come back, you know, like a Jim Harbaugh or uh, so. Uh, so they they like Harbaugh and they they have some sentimental he has sentimental value yeah, he's, to he's, some of the people that are making the decisions mm-hmm. so if Jim Harbaugh wins this game let me ask you this does he do a victory lap or does he say you know what that was to be expected because we're Michigan and now we're going to go in and his real test then becomes Ohio State his real test becomes Ohio State there you, you go. Know, the reality of the situation is you cannot keep losing Ohio State I mean let's be honest like 
that is the one rival that you that doesn't like you or they cross all the M's out on campus. Right. And that doesn't like you at all. And you can't lose them because what what it becomes is, you know, Tennessee and Alabama are a rivalry, right? Yeah. Technically. Alabama don't look at it as like a rivalry. They're like, okay, this is we get to go play Tennessee. That's gonna be a win, you know. Right, right. I mean, last week they had a struggle on their hands because Tennessee's slowly getting better. But you know, Michigan is the same way. Like it's sooner or later, these Ohio State, Ohio State's gonna be like, okay, as an Ohio State fan, who would you fear more right now, Michigan or Michigan State? Well, right, and I would, I would of course say State. Let me ask you another, one more thing, and I know we're going to be wrapping this up here, but do you think that Jim Harbaugh has lost any respect among either the student body, his team, uh, you know, collegiate football contemporaries in general? Do you feel that Jim Harbaugh has lost some respect? I feel like people look at him like he hasn't paid what he was paid to do. He took a pay cut for a reason this year. Because he hasn't been winning. Yeah. Um, eventually, you know, people look at you and they go, his team will never look at him like that. You know, they look at Coach Harbaugh like he is one of the greatest, you know. Yeah. But in college football, they're like, what's going on with Harbaugh? Like, well, he, he came in here, he was going to win, he was going to win, and he hasn't won, he hasn't beat Ohio State. Like, he got some tainted, maybe he got some tainted, uh, you know, Halloween candy this guy or is, something, this, you know. <laughs> what's this guy going is, on this with guy him? is not the same as... Same guy yeah. as he was at San Francisco in, with the 49ers, and he's not the same guy he was with Stanford. Right. And I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's sad because Michigan is a good football player. You know player. what it is? It's the weather, Joe. Our weather sucks. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I know it affects my mood. It affects my he, my uh, performance sometimes when I look outside and he's played, the weather he's, sucks. He's played here before, so, you know, he's used to it. But here's the reality of the situation. I was being funny. I know. The, reali- right. the reality of the situation, you know, some of the Michigan fans will not think you're being funny. Oh, well, yeah. you know. The reality of the situation. I'm trying to help their guy out here, you know. The reality of the situation is Harbaugh needs to win this game. And he's got to win. It's, it's, it's more imperative with him because he's in year seven of his program. He is been very he has not gone to the Big Ten championship. Yeah. In that time Michigan State has gone to the Big Ten championship and the college football playoff. You know, if you were to tell you know, a lot of people that are Michigan fans call Michigan State little bro. Right now little bro has a good job. And he is he's got the he's got the girl on his 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 hand. He's like, you see that? It's, that's how it's done. Yeah. You know, you can't after a while it is a Michigan fan, you can't be like, oh my God, like, what is going on? Like, right, right. Why am I a loser right now? Like, th- you're, that's that's the reality of the situation. Like, he cannot lose this game. No, it's a must win for Harbaugh, no doubt. And we will talk about that game in the next segment. You can, you can watch that on uh, our Facebook and uh, YouTube. And then listen on Spotify. Listen on Spotify, soon to be Apple and Google. Yeah. We will see you in the next segment. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And this is Between the Whistles Detroit. We are your hometown team. Now, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you could follow our Spotify account now on BTW Detroit, Cindy and Joe show. Watch YouTube. And we are presented by Wild Bills, but we have to get into our main event this week. Yes. As it is the Michigan State Spartan. Woo! Michigan State. Go green versus the Michigan Wolverines and okay. Boo. There's a lot of there's a lot of animosity between these two fan groups. That's obvious. 
because they work amongst each other, they play amongst each other, and they go to the same places as each other. It's not like Ohio State where you can kind of like avoid them, right? Right. We can we can have a joint dislike and hate for Michigan for uh, Ohio State, but uh, yeah, and we we support all Michigan teams. Everyone knows that, but uh, not this Saturday. This Saturday we're taking sides. Yep. And this week, Michigan State, Michigan, you know, it's a very even matchup. Both these teams are very very good. It's a clash of the titans, man. This is awesome. This is going to be epic. Now, here's a part of me that I, this is what I think. And most people don't like this, but I don't care because I don't care what you think. <laughs> that's not the politically correct answer, Joe. Because I'm not politically correct. Oh, wow. That's me. I'm sorry. I forgot here, about here, that. I'm not much politically correct either most of the time. I don't care time. about that, Secretary of State. Okay? I don't care about that. <laughs> the reality of the situation is I don't think either one of these teams is that great. I think they're both fantastic. No, I think they're both fraudulent. Get out of here. I, no, let me let me explain yourself. Let me explain, explain yourself. Both these teams can't play. Uh, they can't beat teams that convincingly. Okay, Michigan State, Michigan should beat the brakes off uh, Nebraska. Couldn't do that. Uh, Michigan had a hard time with Rutgers. Michigan State had a hard time with Indiana. You know, eventually, when you play a good team like Ohio State, an elite team. You're gonna get the, the your doors blown off. So this is what I think this weekend. I think this weekend is shut up or put up. You're either gonna you're either gonna put up or shut up. But either team is gonna whoever wins is gonna be the better team, right? I don't care about. I want to hear excuses about oh the rain or the wind or my ass was glowing that day. <laughs> you know the reality situation is the reality situation is you lost. And you didn't win. So, you know, don't make excuses when you don't win. Well, as much as I hate to say it, this is really a must win for Michigan because uh, I think Michigan State's definitely got some awesome momentum. They're actually overperforming. We pointed that out. The Vegas odds were like 4.5. Yeah. They're well overperforming. So Michigan State's rolling in with some great momentum. Michigan, on the other hand, while undefeated, which is good, um, that's what people kind of expected when you look at who, the teams that they played so far. So I'll give you that. But um, they have to win because they've got a tough schedule coming up with Ohio State, Penn State. They've really got the tough contenders coming up. So they, Michigan, they got, they got Indiana and Maryland. Yeah, and Michigan has to bring it this weekend. Even though, as you know, I'll be uh, obviously rooting for for my Spartans. But uh, if I'm looking at it from both sides of the coin, I'm going to say this is really more of a win, more of a must win for Michigan than it is for State. But uh, I'm still pulling for my Spartans. Yeah, you know, Michigan has to win this game. Jim, yeah. We outlined in the last segment with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and uh, you know. Michigan State, you know, the one thing I, I, I think that this game is going to be won and lost, okay, is the offensive lines. Whichever offensive line can protect the passer and get the run game going, is going to, they're going to win the game. And, you know, both of these teams have good defensive lines and good front seven. So. Well, and it bodes well, actually. If the running game is going to win it, it bodes well for Michigan because, obviously, that's their strength is in their running game. Their passing game's always been a challenge for them. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. I think that Michigan State – it has the ability to counter that anyway. I think there's 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 two things. You know, Michigan runs the ball with good good efficiency, but right. but they can't pass. They're not a great passing team. Um, Michigan can, State can do both. That's that's a little bit you know, uh, the the balance part. And so Michigan State has a very very good chance of winning this game. Uh, Michigan has a good chance of winning this game. The reality of the situation is going to come down to the offense line in the trenches like it always does in football, and. You're going to see who is a better team on Saturday. 
Well, you know, I think that Michigan State, as you pointed out, is definitely a more balanced team, yep. but yet Michigan has an exceptional running game. And I'm not sure that where I think Michigan State needs to be able to keep pace with Michigan's running game, Michigan does have a better running game than State does, but State's more balanced. So, you know, I don't know. What are your thoughts in, in terms of the impact of maybe special teams? I think special teams is going to be huge. Yeah, me Special too. teams is going to be huge. Yep. And, and, and also – Whatever play, whatever team gives up a big play in the passing game, might lose that game. You know, it's it's. You look at both these teams; their biggest weakness is is a secondary on both teams. So, which team can take advantage of that? You know, you you point to favorite Michigan State because Peyton Thorne's a better quarterback; he's been more accurate. Um, But you know, Michigan they haven't played a really good quarterback yet, so. It's going to be interesting to see how they can, how much better they got at defending the pass, because they have a lot of good quarterbacks coming up. You know, they have uh, Sean Clifford of Penn State, and they have C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. And listen, it, Michigan State will give you a good test because Ohio State has like eight wide receivers that can make plays. So, if I'm Michigan, this is basically a Cooper get off the potty kind of game. Yeah. So if you so if you're putting the offensive lines up against each other, who do you give the edge to, Joe? I like Michigan's offensive line. I think they're a really good. They're a really good group. I think uh, Michigan State, they're they're just they're good. But Michigan's been really really good. And but they're going to be facing a good defensive line this this time around. Um, this defensive line at Michigan State's fifth and sixth in the country. Yep. And so um, you know, and they can they, they're. They, their bend don't break up uh, defense. You know they 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 allow the yards, but they try to limit the points, and they're very very good in the red zone. So where it's going to come down to the the position and the spot of the game where it's going to come down to is red zone offense against red zone defense, and it's going to be red zone offense for Michigan and red zone defense for Michigan State because if Michigan's kicking field goals all game, it's going to bode well for better for Michigan because Michigan State because I think that they can hit the big play eventually. I th- yeah, I think one time you know you, you you don't think you don't come into a game thinking that no one's gonna hit a big play. Someone's gonna hit a big play and it's gonna change the momentum of the game. And that's you know, and also the fact that you pointed out Michigan's got the offensive line. I think Michigan State has the edge in the defensive line. But then we talked about where it may come down to special teams. Yeah. So where do you, who do you give the edge to in special teams? The kickers are dead even because yep. uh, they're very, very good kickers. Mm-hmm. The punters on both teams are very, very, very good. I mean, both of them flip the field like crazy. Um, but if you look at punt return, look at Jaden Reed of Michigan State. He has, ta- he has taken back many point, punt returns to the house. He's an electric electric player. You know, he, he can change the game in an instant. And that's the one thing I'd worry about if I was Michigan because – the one thing you have to worry about with Michigan State is that big play, and if it comes on a special teams play where Jaden Reed takes another punt back to the house, ooh boy, that's not that's gonna be it. That's it's a, gonna be trouble for Michigan. That's a momentum changing play. Yeah. That's yeah, that's well, huge. Well, and then and you have to talk about you know my man Kenneth Walker. Uh, you know you know I love him in Michigan State, and so I mean that's to call him a breakout player. I mean is an understatement because. There's a Heisman Trophy nominee, you know, candidate right there. And this is where you earn your Heisman Trophy. You bet. You earn your Heisman Trophy in the big games. You play the big, the big boys. You you play the big games. This is what you. This is your time to shine. If you yep. think you're really a Heisman candidate, you come to play Michigan. You you turn 150 yards. Absolutely. So you know what we were talking about earlier. This is a must win for Jim Harbaugh. 
I would say when it comes to contention for the Heisman Trophy, this is a a must win for Kenneth Walker. His performance has yeah. to show. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So I, I think if you're looking at this for Kenneth Walker, it's a huge, huge game yeah. for his his Heisman uh, potential, and it's a big game for Jim Harbaugh because if Jim Harbaugh loses this game and he goes all in two to Mel Tucker, that's not good because Mel Tucker's yep. in year two and he's only going to get better. That's just the reality of the situation, and it wouldn't be good for Michigan. So overall, Joe, we broke down a little bit. Tell us, who is your overall? Who are you giving the edge to if you have to call it? And I'm going to even see if I can put you on the spot for a score because I know you're going to put this on, but the Between the Whistles Facebook page, watch that because Joe will have his predictions on there, and he was doing pretty well. So, But maybe he'll give us that. But if, if you can't give me the exact what you think the score is going to be, just tell me who you think is going to win it. I think it's going to be a race to 21. Okay. It's going to be a race to 21 because I think both these defenses are going to be very, very edge to play, and they got the playmakers to do it. Now here is where the game is going to be won. The game is going to be won on a, a play that is a broken play, a chunk play, a pass that is taken for the distance or a run that's taken for the distance. And if I look at who I think could do it and who has a playmaker to do it, I think I have to give the edge to Michigan State. I mean, the reality of the situation is Blake Corham and Hassan Haskins can make a big play and, and win, win the game, right? Yeah. But if you look at Michigan State, they have three wide receivers who can change the game, and they have a running back who can also change the game. And then you look at that, and you're like, okay, well, the edge goes to Michigan State because the playmakers they have is – that's they have four playmakers. Michigan State – Michigan has one – I mean, two – and you got you kind of now where you can kind of skew is if the defensive if there's turnovers that could skew the whole game, but I give the edge to Michigan State and I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a seventeen twenty game to be honest. I don't see a lot of scoring in this game. I think the one team the team that wins is gonna win on a huge play, and that could change the game because that's what usually happens in rivalry games. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to a field goal myself. And I will tell you this. Now I'll talk about the intangibles because you've talked a lot about the the technical stuff. Uh, I'm going to go with intangibles, and I'm going to still give the edge to Michigan State also because Michigan State's coming in on a tremendous uh, tidal wave of momentum. You know, Mel Tucker has got this team clicking on all cylinders. They know that they've got Kenneth Walker coming in as a Heisman candidate. They against Indiana a little bit. A little bit, you know. But the bye week came at the good time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I think Mel Tucker's going to work out his clock management issues. He's had a couple of those in the past. I don't think that's going to be an issue. But, no, I I think that, you know, as far as how the teams are feeling about this, I think Michigan State is coming in in a better mindset than Michigan. I think for Michigan, there's a lot of pressure on this game because they lost to Michigan State last year. So there's a lot of pressure to win. I think there's a lot of pressure on Harbaugh mm-hmm. to perform because he, as you pointed out, there were all the reasons why this is a must win for him. I think Michigan comes in with more pressure. Mm-hmm. They come in with, um, you know, kind of a, a do or die type of a situation. So they're desperate. Now, desperation could spawn some tremendous energy, but I think that Michigan comes in with more of a, a positive energy and a, a proactive energy. I think Michigan, uh, Michigan State comes in that way. I think Michigan comes in with more pressure and uh, more tension, and they've got a lot of um, you know uh, expectations that have to be met. I think they come in with more negative energy. Michigan State comes in with more positive energy, and I think that is going to factor into their performance. And I just, I just have to go back to this. 
you know, until Jim Harbaugh beats a good team on the road, I mean a good team, not Wisconsin who doesn't have a quarterback and is very, very not a Wisconsin team. I mean, you got to be the good team on the road. Yeah. That's just the reality of the situation. You can't you can't wait for you to get all the home games and, and win. So you got to beat this team on the road because, you know, you're going to have to go to Penn State and you're going to have to win that game on the road too. And that's not going to be easy so either. either. So it's a perfect game for Jim Harbaugh because he has yet to beat a good team on the road. Um, you know, Wisconsin, they thought, they thought was good, but, I mean, look at Wisconsin. They're, they're not that good. So Yeah. Well, I think the one there is one sad reality that coming out of Saturday – uh, one of our Michigan football teams is going to take a loss. Yep. <laughs> That's inevitable, and it's a sad day. But uh, for myself, I will be less sad uh, if that team is Michigan than Michigan State. Yep. And so you know, we'll 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 break down the game after you know after uh, the week the you know the days coming after it. And I think that uh, that's going to be a very very fun fun game. Absolutely. I can't wait. Even though I've got election worker training in the morning, I'll tell you, I'm bugging out of there as soon as possible so that I can uh, watch the Michigan-Michigan State game. It'll be a good time. Now, Cindy has to leave for her prior commitment, so I will take over for the next two segments, and we will be... God help all of you. You're going to be without me. It's very sad, I know. You will will get the (laughs) the dawn of sports. You will get the dawn of sports, and I will definitely be with you next show. Definitely. Well, we will see you in the next segment as we talk about the Lions and, you know. Ugh, not sorry I'm missing that one. You're Because yeah. you're wrong. And we will talk about the idiot that gave Tom Brady back his ball. Welcome to Cindy and Joe's show. I'm Joe. And Cindy had to go to a prior engagement because, you know, she's always busy and that's the way Cindy rolls. She has very, very hectic schedule and she needs to make time for the family too. This is Between the Whistles. We are sponsored by Wild Bill's Tobacco. If you really want to, um, you're really just stressed out about the Lions, you can go to Wild Bill's and get their tobacco, cigars, chewing tobacco, vapes, anything like that. Today, uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about the Lions. And you know what? I think the Lions, I think they're misunderstood. And I say that because, you know, if you look at the Lions and you look at their schedule, you know, they played some very, very good teams. Um, and listen, they played hard against them. It, with with the exception of the Cincinnati Bengals, they played hard against these teams. And you could probably see one of these teams or uh, three or two in the championship games. Maybe even Super Bowl. But the reality of the situation is they're 0-7. They're and, you know, a lot of people are looking at the Lions like, you know, why should we believe that the Lions can win? You know, Jared Goff has not been good. He's got eight touchdowns. He's got six interceptions. That's not a good ratio. Um... You know, his wide receivers. His highest receiving yards right now is DeAndre Swift. That's just the reality. And, you know, you look at this team and you go, what player on this roster would start on a playoff team? And you, you probably would look at the rookie, Penai Sewell, and go, that's the guy. That's the guy who might start. 
And that's a very unfortunate position uh, to be in. Because, you know, a lot of teams, they have, uh, they're respected, they have talent. You know, the Rams, where's, where's the Lions, Aaron Donald? Where's their Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Matthew Stafford? You know, Matthew Stafford was here, and he got a raw deal because the general manager, Martin Mayhew, Bob Quinn, couldn't put enough talent around him to win. And, you know, you look at that, and you're like, God, like, what could have been? And I tried telling people, you know, you got to have talent. Got to have talent. One player can't win you a Super Bowl, can't win you playoff games. You know, eventually someone's going to have to step up. You know, people say Calvin John- he had Calvin Johnson, you know, but look what he's doing in L.A. with a competent coach, competent, organiza- a competent organization, a good general manager who can get talent. You know, Brad Holmes came from the L.A. Rams. Yeah, he was one of the guys who scouted Cooper Cup. You know, these are guys that he scouted. And the Rams took him. And one of those guys was Jared Goff. Jared Goff has not been good. Uh, he's one to went to a Super Bowl, but he had a very, very talented team. Um, you know, the one thing you can say about the Detroit Lions, the one thing, is that they play really, really hard for Dan Campbell. And there's players that are progressing. You know, the Jerry Jacobs, Anzarike, um, Aline McNeil, Derek Barnes, you know, Khalif Raymond looks pretty good. He's not a rookie, but he's looking pretty good. Uh, good underrated signing for the free agent market. But if you look at Brett Holmes and his two free undrafted free agents he brought in, in um, AJ Parker and Jerry Jacobs, they've looked really, really good. That's that's comp, that's a, that's a, that's a compliment to Brett Holmes. And Dan Campbell, God bless his heart. You don't have any talent. You don't have any talent. You know, people can say, you know, oh, you can out-scheme. You know, the best coach in, in football ever, you know, regarded as one of the greatest, is Bill Belichick. And when Bill Belichick lost Tom Brady, he didn't do as well. You know, that's one player, and it made that big of a difference. That's that's the reality of the situation. Football is not this game where you can sit here and go, we can win it on coaching alone. If that was the case, I mean, there's some great coaches that would have a Super Bowl or more than one. You know, Mike Tomlin's one of those guys. He should have one more than a Super Bowl, but he hasn't. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. Bill Cowher did. And, and it's sad because Mike Tomlin is a very, very, very good head coach, but he hasn't won. And they have talent in Pittsburgh, but they haven't hit the right breaks. And, you know, Pittsburgh is a very, very good organization. They they develop, they get a lot of talent. But, you know, sometimes it comes down to the culture, you know. And you look at Dan Campbell and the way he's trying to get his team to play. They play very, very hard for him. They're not talented at all. They're not talented at all. Look at this, the roster. There's one player potentially that could start on a playoff team. That is where the issue you're in. You know, you could talk about uh, you, know, you want him to out scheme people. You can't out scheme talent. 
You can't out scheme it. I mean, the reality of the situation is, if you think you can out scheme talent, I mean, that's a that's a once in a lifetime shot. You, you really don't get that. You can't name me the last time a a, team, a coach has out schemed on talent. Eventually, the Lions will get their first win. You know, they should have won in Chicago. They should have won against Baltimore. They should have won against Minnesota, but they didn't. There was, you know, mistakes that were made uh, on the field. And that's what it comes down to, mistakes. And when you're the Detroit Lions, you have a limited mistake window. You know, there's some teams that can get away with a lot of mistakes. You know, Kansas City Chiefs, look at them. You know, they're making mistakes all over the place, and they're not winning like they should. Mistakes cost you. When you don't have the talent to come back from those mistakes, that's where you run into an issue. You know, people look at Brad Hall, uh, Dan Campbell and they're like, he hasn't won a game. What'd you expect, dude? What'd you expect? I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. And, you know, I think the, the Lions will get their first win this week against Philadelphia. I do. I think that they can win against Philadelphia. Right now on ESPN, um, it's almost 50-50 in terms of the Lions winning. This is their best shot. They're at home, and they need to win this game before the bye. You don't want them going 0-17. That's a bad for the culture. That's bad for Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell has worked his ass off. Um, coaching this team up with the talent level that they're at. And um, it's just going to be interesting to see how the Lions come out against Philadelphia. And I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by how they come out, and I think that they can win this game. But, listen, they can't make mistakes. That's the reality of the situation. You just, you just, you just can't. Now, in the next segment, we will be talking about the idiot that gave away the ball to Tom Brady at 600 pass. What a moron. But we'll talk about it in the next segment. Join us.